Okay, welcome back to Answer the Call. I'm saying that to you just as much as I guess I'm saying that to me right now. I know that, gosh, I now realize it's been about a month and a half or so since I last recorded and uploaded an episode for you guys. And so I actually have a few interviews that I've been meaning to publish in the backlog, um, but oh my goodness, I have some stories for you for what has been going on behind the scenes in the last month and a half. And I just thought that God in this time has shown me so many shocking things that I just... I, instead of just going ahead and resuming my upload schedule and introducing you to another guest, before I do that, I just thought maybe it would be best to let you in on some of the things that have been going on and the lessons I've learned from them. So I will tell you some stories of what's happened and also the lessons that I've learned from them. And I'm really, really excited to do so because at first this last six weeks or so marked some of the scariest and well not necessarily most scary but really the biggest feeling uh or banner topic that I've been having to deal with in the last six weeks is uncertainty more uncertainty than I have ever had to hold at once in uh, multiple areas of life um and so at first I just thought, oh my gosh, okay, well, I have to go into essentialism mode and just really take care and focus on uh, providing excellent care as always to my career coaching clients and then taking care of the personal things going on in life. But then I, I'm obviously really grateful to get to do this podcast because what I end up getting to share with you is a lot of praise reports and honestly I just saw so many miracles and so much favor from the Lord that I cannot wait to remind you of how good and gracious and abundant of a God we serve and who is your heavenly father. He is so stunning to me that uh, it just almost freaks me out. So anyway, here's what's uh, the like super high level view. And then I'll get into more details of these turnaround stories. So on a super high level view, uh, some of the things that have happened is I finally accomplished my dream and uh, saw the fulfillment of a prayer of buying a house that I now have the keys to. And I have also been getting to serve so many remarkable people that I just love and admire so much through my thriving career coaching practice. And also, I, uh, on the more difficult end, but it does have some sweet moments, I was able to care for my cat through a really difficult diagnosis. Um, maybe you can relate. Maybe you have a pet that's extremely dear to you. And uh, when difficult things happen to them, it can just kind of tear your heart out a little bit. So um, I, I'll talk about that. And then I was also able to see and celebrate one of my best friends getting married to the love of her life. And we had a great uh, 
<laughs> we went to LA for a bachelorette celebration weekend for her and then had another weekend at her family's ranch where she got married and it was uh, there seeing her shout out to Macy and Macy and her now husband's love story that is a whole other miracle that I wish that was my story to tell it, like it would have you absolutely floored. And even if you're a skeptic, I feel like if you sat down and heard her story of how God brought her and her husband together, you would be like, oh, wow, God does exist. Wow, there is something to this. But anyway, so I was able to, um, that was a part of the last six weeks as well. Um, but some of uh, just the more details of what each of those uh, defining factors of this time has represented and what those stories actually felt like as I was living through them. So um, first I'll talk about the home buying process and how hopeless I thought it was and how I just thought I got the shortest end of the stick like of all time and I was just so upset and mad because I'm like wow my my parents got their first house and it was just fine for like eighty thousand dollars and they and then my sister just a year ago was able to buy a house and now I probably can't even afford to live even close to where she lives even if I paid $100,000 more, like how upsetting is that? Like, especially since I really, one of my um, core things that I had struggled with, and I feel like this experience has taught me a lot of letting this go and surrendering it, but I will be very honest, throughout my entire life, I've really struggled with being an identical twin because I've struggled with comparison and just having a mirror image of yourself, uh, it, it has triggered my comparison so much and so it has I I don't think I really handled it well over the last year of her accomplishing my dream of um, buying a house before me and then I just thought great okay so wonderful I here's all the things that I was really really upset about and just thought oh this is hopeless and I don't I wasn't practicing faith um, I, and I really can't wait to hear, tell you how it all turned out in the end. I'm able to laugh at myself now, but I was so mad. And any of you guys who might be thinking about, um, or you care about the goal of buying a house and you're aware of what the market is doing right now, uh, you are intimately aware of all these things. But otherwise, um, you probably know that interest rates have skyrocketed, meaning that my mortgage payment, like for the same house, let's compare, um, if I got the exact same house as my sister who bought hers a year ago, I would be paying not only just hundreds of dollars more in interest payments per month, because the interest rates have more than doubled from what the rate she got. Then also, um, (laughs) like the home value itself has gone up I mean, for the area in Austin, and by the way, I live in Austin, Texas, which has, without a doubt, become the highest growth, most competitive real estate um, uh, hotspot 
in the entire United States. And so it's like, wonderful. Wow, I'm really so, like, I got just salty about it with God. I'm like, awesome. I am, you know, being sarcastic, so grateful that I am finally, I just started to come up to the cusp of being able to accomplish this dream. And then all of a sudden I get the actual worst circumstances. And that's me, of course, being very entitled, but feeling my feelings. Um, and so anyway, uh, but the home prices, like, uh, it has gone up even 40 or 50% in some areas of Austin from one year ago. So if you tried to get a $500,000 house last year, it might be, uh, well, high 600s for sure, sometimes even 750. Same house. <laughs> as last year. <laughs> and so the, you know, so I just was really um, not taking captive my thoughts and going, it was just very easy. And I felt very, I thought it was so understandable to go into scarcity mindset. And <laughs> I'll go into the all the lessons that I learned from this later. But Jesus did not add any caveats to his loving command in telling us do not worry <laughs> because he has provided every reason within himself to not have to even if and yeah I did get much less square footage and yes all of those circumstances that I just laid out that I was upset about are still standing, but our joy, like Jesus himself said, our uh, life does not exist in material things. It doesn't exist in uh, life or life is not um, measured by material things. And so <laughs> he just provides every reason to no matter what circumstances you're going through to actually receive peace and joy within himself and to be able to shift into gratitude. And instead of me measuring your life uh, by the gaps of what it could have been or what you thought you should be getting right now or where you think you should be, he does provide transformation with when you commune with him to be able to measure your life by the gains and by the gratitude, even in the suffering, like I had some situations this in the last six weeks that I, I think objectively were kind of only bad, <laughs> but God even, uh, uh, well, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but um, so that's kind of the state of the union of where I was at when I was like, well, God, um, this is the month that I finally told myself like, okay, you're going to start putting in offers in houses on houses. And literally within two weeks of uh, starting to look on realtyaustin.com, uh, the houses that I wanted all of a sudden uh, we're like $30,000 more expensive from two weeks ago and interest rates went up 1.5%. I was like, wonderful. So anyway, here's where I was at. I was wondering, should I even try or should I give this up? And I felt no peace about it <laughs> at all, which according, according to Christianese, it's like, go where the peace is and like, and I'm saying Christianese because this is actually not biblical and most, uh, or all story, if I could say that, let's say most, um, instances of, uh, 
biblical uh, stories and characters. I'm referring to real people, of course, but um, they did not feel peace before proceeding into an event that ultimately showed them and others how powerful their God is and how much they could trust him and test him on his mercy. And so I, this was a big opportunity to remember, you don't actually have to feel peace about something for it to be a good goal or a productive thing to do with your life. And that has proved true for almost every single good thing that has come into my life. I've just really not felt peace about it because I'm like, why would I feel good about quitting my 80K a year corporate job back in 2018? Why would I feel good about that? I don't. So like it wasn't based on feelings. It was based on conviction. So anyway, but the thing is that I was so worried that for some reason, because my amygdala was like so I was so in fight or flight because I was so stressed I felt like I was having a hard time hearing God and I felt like oh man what if I end up just making this decision out of fear and I'm letting you into my very honest thoughts that maybe you could relate to some of them but some of the honest thoughts I was experiencing and these are just fearful things was oh my gosh if I proceed and try to just put out offers on houses. Like, what if God, that wasn't something that God was actually blessing in my life? And what if I like lead myself into some really bad situations? Or what if I stray from God's will for my life or whatnot? Because buying a house is obviously an enormous decision. And so, um, <laughs> yeah, I just worried like, what if God didn't, isn't going to bless this. And so shortcut, (laughs) I um, did put in, I, uh, oh, by the way, the other thing that I was really mad about was my aunt and uncle are mortgage brokers, and they did Kirsten's, uh, (laughs) they did her uh, mortgage for like without any fees or Uh, And they really lowered her rate. And so she got uh, a mortgage broker for free and a lower rate. And then guess what? My aunt, unfortunately, was having to go through a really big surgery. And so she said, like, right at the time when I was like, hey, guess what? I'm ready to buy a house too. Can you and uh, my uncle help me out? And she was like, sorry, kiddo. Like, if you are trying to buy in the month of May, that is not going to happen. I'm out. And so I ended up deciding to proceed. And that was just another thing. This whole perfect storm situation just forced me to have to surrender my comparison, which I'm so grateful for because I just, (laughs) I, once I got to the breaking point and really just allowed myself to feel my feelings about, oh, this is unfair and could would have, could have, should have, all this stuff. And why did Kirsten get this so much better than me and whatnot? After I got to the breaking point, I'm so grateful God used that to start showing me you are going to just kill yourself if you don't, uh, like metaphorically speaking, oh my gosh, that's a terrible thing to say. If you um, don't start learning to just measure everything based or proceed with gratitude. So here's what ended up happening. I finally got another mortgage broker and I got approved for my loan on a 
Thursday morning at let's say 9 a.m. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, okay, now that I'm approved, like my agent uh, didn't want me to, um, didn't want me to start putting in any offers until I was like fully underwritten for a loan because uh, the market is so competitive that buyer or sellers want to see that you're, they want to see more than a pre-approval letter. They want to see, I could give you the money in like a 21 day close, which is so, so fast. So anyway, my realtor had me wait to look at houses until I was fully underwritten for a loan. So I was getting a little impatient with that. Finally, 9am. So I, on a Thursday, I allow myself to start looking at houses. I put in my budget. I was used to doing this. I had gone online plenty of times before. And I put in my budget on the, the realty site. And you know, when you put in your budget and then all of a sudden the little dots on the map that represent the houses, they just scatter and go like way to the outside of town. And you're like, mm, encouraging, wonderful. And I, my, uh, just so you know, like my, one of my highest values for a house, um, it's not so much how it looks or I don't, I'm really not too picky about the house itself at all. My core value was really location and I love being in the energetic center of things. And so I thought, oh my gosh, well, the odds that that are going to happen is going to happen. It was really low. But guess what? On this day, I put my budget on the map. And like I expected, the scatterplot just went to all the edges of town. But there was this one dot in the center of Austin that showed up. And I was like, wait, what? And so I clicked on it. And <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. It, it's like this, uh, it's definitely small, but I was like, wow, I'm just so grateful that I can't believe this place showed up. Wow. And it's within my budget. Let's go. And so I text that address to my realtor and I said, can I see this? This is the first one that I would love to check out. And she's like, oh, actually, um, I think I could squeeze something in at, are you essentially free right now? And I am usually never in that area, especially during working hours. I'm usually working, but I happen to be taking my cat to the vet. And right on that major street uh, in the center of town that the home is like seven minutes away from. And I was like, wow, that's so weird. Actually, yeah. I can. <laughs> I can see that uh, at 11.30. So let's go. And so she meets me over there. And I am like, oh, man, okay, well, we only have a short amount of time because also I have uh, some meetings this afternoon that I need to get to. And anyway, I walk through it. And I'm like, wow, I really like this. Heck yeah, I would totally live here. And the agent's like, okay, awesome. Well, offer deadline is at 6 p.m. today. And I was like, wait, what? Also, mind you, this house had been on the market for 13 days and usually houses are only on the market for one weekend here in Austin and they immediately get snatched up. And so I thought, oh, something wrong with this house? Like, what's up? And it turns out, no, it's perfectly fine. I really believe that God did this miracle for me. I, <laughs> so there had been many offers put in in those 13 days, but for some reason, the uh, seller held on and kept it open. And so randomly, 6 p.m. on a Thursday, it closes. And so I think, oh, okay, well, um, if it's 6 p.m. today, I, I'll, yeah, I think 
I think I'm going to go for it. I think I'll put in an offer. And uh, my agent was able to find out what number would be competitive. And I felt uh, like that was actually less than what I was expecting to put in on it. So I was like, oh, well, praise God. Um, I'll I'll do it. I mean, it was still a stressful amount. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But um, usually houses in Austin are going 50 to 70 or 100 or way more over asking. Um, And this house was definitely over asking, but um, it wasn't that terrifying of an amount. And so I thought, okay, Bruce God, I'm going to do it. By the way, two of my meetings randomly got rescheduled. Like these two people that are usually super dependable clients, they were like, hey, so sorry, this random thing came up. Can I please reschedule this with you? And I was like, okay, sure. So my afternoon, or a few hours really, suddenly opened up. And it was only because those meetings got moved that I was able to, one, think for a second, two, um, write an offer letter. And because it's really important here that you put in your best offer possible. And so I like literally created this like obnoxiously, well, I think it was cute, uh, Canva cover letter and told a little bit about my story and why I think that this this is, just, I'm, I would be so grateful to call this place home. And I got everything submitted at, I think, like 5.45 p.m. (laughs) And I start stressing. And then, of course, all those thoughts of like, oh, my gosh, I felt like I was so scared that, one, I didn't feel like I really consulted God. I honestly, I have to say, I did not do everything perfectly for this huge life decision. One, I didn't feel like I genuinely prayed. Like, God, did you, do you want me to have this house or am I just taking things into my own hands? I want you to know that, (laughs) that I, I felt, oh my gosh, Kelsey, you say that you want to lead a life that is aligned with God's calling for you. And you want to consult with him on these, not even small details. That's a huge detail of where you're going to live. I didn't do that perfectly. I was so freaked out and I was in a scarcity mindset and I was like, uh, I'm worried that if I don't get this house, I will never be able to live in the loop, like in central Austin. I want this. I'm going for it. So there you go. You could know that about me. And then, um, so I want you to contrast that with, and yet later in my story, you'll see how loving and gracious God is. Even when you feel like you're not like, a freaking spiritual sensei, you know? Um, and my the leaders of my small group, um, my church small group, really, really encouraged me with this. They were like, wait, that's so funny. Actually, my church small group leader was also my real, uh, my um, realtor. So <laughs> I lucked out so big on this. And he and his wife, they were like, hey, when we were going through the most stressful period of our lives, when they thought that their son, their infant son was actually going to die and they were in the hospital for three weeks straight every day, not knowing if he was going to make it. And they were, uh, you know, going way into medical debt for this and their whole lives as 20 somethings were just being turned upside down. They were like, Kelsey, God had grace for me, not like all we could do the best we could cope at that time was to just watch reruns of Friday Night Lights for three weeks and eat junk food in the hospital. 
like they were saying to me, I didn't feel like a spiritual ninja that was like holding perfect prayer vigils to fight for my son. Like he is so gracious. He is so gracious. And man, did I learn that anyway. So here's what happened. I also was because of the time crunch, it just so happened that um, most of my family members, they were all at work and they were caught up in meetings. And so I truly like I was calling friends. I was like, can somebody I just feel like I'm going crazy. Can you uh, tell me if you think this is a stupid decision or not? Should I put in an offer? Anyway, I had to make this decision 100% alone. So it felt freaking awful. And so like, responsibility central. Like, wow, this is only for me and it's going to fall on my shoulders. So I made the decision, put in the offer and that next morning within 24 hours of starting my job hunt, the very first house that I put in an offer on, offer accepted. Congratulations, Kelsey, you are under contract. What? I could not believe it because most people, um, they're putting in five, seven, 10 offers over weeks. And this is many, many, many thousands or tens of thousands of dollars over asking. And most people I know in Austin have a very long, stressful job or sorry, not job hunt. Well, especially if I have something to do with it. (laughs) But, uh, oh my gosh, that was a terrible joke. But, uh, they have a really long and stressful house hunt and it's like heartbreaking and they keep on getting their hopes up for all these houses and so much time. And God gave me the very first house that I said, oh, I want that one. That's so crazy. So anyway, here's what happened. Um, the next uh, 21 days, because I had a 21 day close, which is extremely fast. Um, they, I went into the biggest period of uncertainty and having to hold that. And it was, it was just so much. It expanded my capacity for uncertainty out the wazoo, which I'm really grateful for this experience, but it was stressful um, because one, you don't know at all until for me, I didn't know until two days before closing on this house, what it would appraise for. And for anyone who doesn't know, that is a huge deal because here's what happens with your appraisal. If it, let's say my, uh, my, the price that I offered or the offer I put in on the house, let's say, um, okay, I, I'm just going to put a one in front of the actual numbers, (laughs) um, 142. And at the time my agent was like, by the way, based on the comprehensible or the, uh, they just call them comps. What are they? Anyway, the houses that have been recently sold in that area at this time, it looks like your house, the bank might appraise your house for $70,000, which means I would have to cover 72,000 in cash to bridge the gap between what I told the seller I would pay them versus what the bank will give me a loan for. They will only give a loan. They will only allow you to finance what the house appraises for uh, because they won't take on that extra liability. They don't care what you said you would 
<laughs> like give the seller to be competitive, um, they are only basing it off of the uh, real quote real appraised value, um, and so that means that seventy two thousand could just disappear into thin air, go directly to the seller. That is not an investment for me. It is just seventy two k that disappears. It doesn't go into equity. It doesn't um, go towards my down payment at all. And so based on the cash that I had, if that was true, if it really only appraised for 70K, then I would only be able to put like 3% down, which skyrockets my monthly payment anyway. So I thought, oh God, that better not be true. But I knew from, um, I just knew that in only three weeks, houses can appraise for so much. So that was that's why I was optimistic about, okay, I'm going to put in an offer on this house in faith that over the next three weeks, God, I'm going to need you to answer my prayer to actually have the appraisal value meet what I uh, what my offer value was or the sales price was uh, for the offer that I put in. Lord, I'm trusting you. You have three weeks. Please do some magic. And I will let you know at the end what actually happened. Um, but in, remember that the numbers I was saying of uh, 70K uh, or 142 as a sales price, I was just um, uh, obscuring what number was in front of those numbers, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but with all this, uh, okay, so I put in the offer. I'm under contract. Wow, accepted. Oh my gosh, it, it looks like this is going to be my house. So here's what happens. And I'm, of course, like, wow, God, thank you. That's already such a huge blessing that oh, all these spam calls, that's what happens when you buy a house. You get a bunch of spam calls. Never, ever, ever put your information into Lending Tree to get quotes on a home loan because they will take your information and you will be getting calls from them until you die and maybe then also your ancestors. But nonetheless, um, okay, so I'm like, wow, God, thank you so much. I am so grateful, wow, that you, it looks like you're giving me this house, but of course we'll have to see how the closing goes because uh, I still need an inspection to see if there's really whack stuff that I'm gonna need to pay for. Will I need the foundation done and the roof done and the pipes and all this? Who knows what the inspection report will bring back? And also I need, a roommate to offset some of the price of this mortgage and um, uh, so many unknowns. And then also, even though I got a quote for my interest rate from the mortgage lender, uh, what will it actually be locked in at? So those are all of the things that were really up in the air, although I was so optimistic and grateful. Okay, now I'm under contract. Let's see what happens. But in the meantime, in the midst of the closing period, the most wild things came out to test me. First, I didn't think a ton of this, but this was just kind of the beginning of the storm. I I got sick. I got shingles. Um, yeah, like all I knew about shingles before getting it was like that's something that old people have or get sometimes if at some point in their life they had smallpox. Sorry, smallpox? What the heck? I meant chicken pox. Uh, can you imagine? Oh my gosh, no, I don't even want to. But anyway, uh, really painful. It makes all your nerve endings seem like they're on fire. And uh, But I was like, stiff upper lift, Kelsey, let's go. You got to keep on working, keep on serving people. And 
Oh my gosh, I still have a scar on my forehead and I'm like, mm, wow, that was a lot. But anyway, I had like $1,000 in unexpected medical expenses. Uh, and then my, uh, some family members fell into like really bad health situations that were very stressful. And then at the same time, um, my, uh, I, well, should I say, I don't know, like the market, obviously, if you're up on the news, uh, like the stock market has really started to go into a downturn, and we could definitely re expect a recession. And already, um, like my dad is in the financial industry. So it just becomes a stressful time. And I have a lot of compassion for him. And I'm just like was worried about him and I'm like oh my gosh no 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 I have like PTSD from 08 and seeing my parents go through that so I that started to happen and then also of course me you everybody else my investment started to go down because market <laughs> was going down and I'm like great that's like just when I was gonna need to pull out my money and you know uh use it for a house <laughs> um and then also a lump started to develop on my cat's shoulder and it was growing really rapidly from the time that I noticed it. Uh, I scheduled a vet appointment and I was like, great, okay, another $200 to do this test and see if this is anything. It comes back inconclusive. And I already have to wait a week for this vet appointment and then another week for that BS test to come back. It's like, oh, we don't even really know. This could be serious. It could not be. It could be cancer. I'm like, oh, great. Awesome. Um, so then I had to schedule another surgery. So I'm waiting another week so we could fully remove this lump on my cat. And I'll remind you, this cat is very dear to me. Um, and... I am like, okay, well, I guess if I just need to pay $1,100 for the surgery, that's what I need to do. Even though Q also remember major financial uncertainty because I don't know how much cash I'm going to have to bring to close on this house until the appraisal comes in two days before I close on it. And so I'm just like, wow, this is having to teach me. God has taught me many times over my life like to just surrender emotions around finances to just trust him with it and that was definitely tested again when i had what ended up coming up to be over $3000 well over probably well, well over that uh, $3,000 of unexpected uh, medical expenses for me and my cat and then other random things happened in my life. And I was like, okay, anything else trying to come and attack my finances? While I also, this was queuing all this, um, like, honestly, I was, uh, for a short amount of time, I think I went into some self-pity around like, gosh, this is just so hard. Like I'm self-employed and um, I'm uh, a single person buying a house and I just I don't have some like rich husband coming in to save me and so what even if I have to replace the roof that's like all on me oh my gosh and so I this was another really amazing and I'm excited to start telling you the good news but of how God just stunned me but these were all the things that showed me wow here's an, a really awesome invitation to remember that God, I am, certainty is a, an illusion. It is 100% in every single area of your life, an illusion. So can we just surrender it? God is the one who 
is holding us all together. And also when bad things happen, you just have to trust that you don't know the whole plan. You have no idea. And I think that especially in the West, we're like really addicted to all these cute turnaround stories and seeing every hard thing wrapped up in a bow uh, by the end of our lives. When in the Bible, we see that God works really generationally. And there's just such a bigger picture that it's not even about... (laughs) something being tied up with a bow, uh, some uh, redemption arc in your lifetime, or even in a few generations of people like you knew your grandma, you know, maybe something got resolved in your family tree in your generation's time. But it's like, there's such a bigger picture to humanity that we just really need to understand that we can't understand. And so anyway, that that was like a meta thought that I was really having to just surrender. Okay, I'm so grateful that I have enough money in my bank account right now to pay for my cat's oncology appointment because, oh my gosh, my dad was like, Kelsey, why are you so stressed out about this house? And I was like, I'm not really question mark. I, I mean, I kind of am, but I think you're mistaken. I'm really just stressed out for my cat because of waiting for those biopsy results for another week after that major surgery to completely remove the lump instead of just taking a small sample. And then I was just praying uh, so much, God, please spare my cat from having cancer. Please. I pray that this is benign. I pray it's benign. I pray it's benign. And, um, I, after three weeks of all of this uncertainty about not knowing what's going to happen to my cat, Um, the worst outcome that I was told to expect happened, uh, and it came back that he, that lump was cancerous. And so that was just really heartbreaking because I knew that, and I did get to go spend more money to see a specialist. I got to see a pet oncologist and I just really learned that for his thing, like radiation was going to just extend his life maybe two years. And he's five, so I've expected to have much more time with him. Um, And I, trust me, guys, I am excited to tell you the positive stuff that's coming. But this just sets the scene for what and when it happened in the end, why that was all so sweet to me. But turned out that the vet called me, yeah, like, really the best, best option. The best thing you could do for him is to choose to amputate that whole leg because I think that will give us enough margin to totally remove any area that the cancer had affected. And um, that just was so horrible to me because again, uh, in addition to uncertainty being a big like chapter title to this little season of my life. The other word is responsibility. Having to just do, and I'm not alone. I'm not under that illusion, but sometimes it felt like it. Like I'm doing this alone. I'm making all these decisions alone. And now on top of this, I have to decide for my pet who will not understand. And that just broke my heart to have to go drop him off at this surgery. That was another $1,300. And I was just like, beautiful, awesome. Um, I'm like one step away from getting a mail order husband. It was like an oligarch in Russia. That was probably a bad joke. But um, anyway, and so I, <laughs> I um, decided, okay, I'm just going to have to suck it up and choose 
that I guess like another seven to 10 years of life with a limp is going to be better than like pain management for the next two. And um, so I decided to go ahead with it and I was so sad and freaked out. Honestly, like if you can imagine, like if you have a pet, can, can you imagine them just like, he was playing around outside, like everything's normal. He doesn't know he has cancer and having to go take him to a surgery where he wakes up really confused and having a tremendously difficult time walking. And so I was really heartbroken over that. And I, in this time, one book that comforted me so much, so, so much. And I absolutely recommend if you haven't, well, even if you have read it already, because it's quite popular, I'm going to make this a regular reread. The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom. Uh, or Ten Boom is how it's, I think, more accurately pronounced. Um, she was a Holocaust uh, survivor. Uh, she was in a concentration camp uh, for having uh, smuggled um, Jews to save them. And she was a big part of the underground network. And uh, she's a Christian. And, oh, wow. Her story and her perseverance, her positivity, her compassion, her gratitude for her captors and her uh, persecutors it's so shocking. It's so shocking. And so anyway, that just really, <laughs> it's so helpful to read things like that. And so helpful to zoom out of my, my one life. Um, but one story that just struck me to the absolute core that helped me through this, especially when considering the moment that I would be dropping off and picking up my cat and seeing him with his like really, really gnarly scar and him being almost like half shaven off of his hair and just looking really pitiful. Um, I was so nervous for that moment, but this is the story that helped me through it. It was one where Corey was a young girl, maybe six or uh, between six and ten let's say and she was on a train with her father going to um he was a watchmaker and uh, he always gave her the gift of getting to go with him to collect the accurate military time from another town so he could go back and adjust all his other watches and clocks in the shop how crazy just another time <laughs> in history but anyway she had just so this is a kind of funny story but it has a profound lesson so she just had so happened to come across come across the word sex and she was like father what is that you know whatever and um, <laughs> he doesn't answer her for the longest time I think for the rest of and she said the rest of the train ride he just looked at her and then he turned back to what he was doing and he was silent and she was like um huh? am I in trouble what did I just say or what am I asking about and then as they were stepping off the train, he finally turned to her and he said, Corey, do you notice that when we're preparing for our trip, I don't give you your train ticket um, a week in advance. I give it to you right as you're boarding the train because I don't want you to have to carry the responsibility and the weight of holding something before you need it. And 
so I keep it safe until the time, the, until it's time to board the train. And so with this, would you trust me that um, your mother and I will let you know about such things when it's time? It's not time for you to carry the weight of the knowledge of such things. And she is retelling this as an old woman after all of her life had transpired and all these grievous events had gone by and she had survived them. And she said, I carried that lesson with me because every time I thought I just couldn't bear what we were going through or if I had known in advance of what was going to happen, it would put all this weight on me and rather, I get to trust, just like my father, my earthly father said, my heavenly father will give me my train ticket of provision right in the moment that I need it. I don't need to worry about things ahead of time. I don't need to um, obsess over something or ask God for all the details. I could just trust him that when I have to step up to the plate of a circumstance in my life, whatever it is, he will give me what I need in that moment to go through it. And I just thought that is such a profound lesson that um, I am taking into many areas of life, but of um, just God, just like if you are giving a speech or you have an interview coming up, or you don't know what your housing situation is going to be, and it needs to get worked out six weeks from now, whatever it is, let's not suffer twice. <laughs> Just uh, as in uh, choosing uh, worry and fear or replaying things in your mind or rehearsing too much um, before the event has transpired. You could just trust God that when you have to go through something, God will give you the, what you need in that very moment to board the train and go through it. And I, Corey also replayed that later in life and she likened that to another event where she actually, after the war and after she got out of the concentration camp, which her beloved sister did not survive and she had to see her die, um, she... Uh, fulfilled her sister's dream of starting a rehabilitation home. And uh, she um, ended up through her many speaking events and she was sharing at churches and whatnot, this message of reconciliation. She actually ended up meeting one of the prison guards who was over her. And this prison guard didn't know who she was uh, and he just came up and said, thank you so much for your message, blah, 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 like that impacted me. And she said, for all that I just said about reconciliation, I could not imagine, I could not imagine that in this moment he shook, his, he that I would have to embrace my own message. And as he extended his hand towards me, that I would have to have the strength to look him in the eyes, muster up love in my heart, and lift my hand to shake his back. When I had a wash of anger and shame over me, because this was a guard that 
uh, had the, he, I was humiliated. He uh, was in the processing part of the concentration camp where he had to see my sister and I naked and was examining us. And it was such a horrible circumstance, especially in such a conservative uh, culture <laughs> that they couldn't imagine. <laughs> like the Ten Boom family, they all had like ankles, like skirts and whatnot. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry, I'm not meaning to laugh at that. Um, but I, um, anyway, she said that she couldn't muster she felt like she could not muster the strength to shank, shake this guy, uh, shank. I'm sure she did want to shank him, but um, sorry, one of my, my therapist says that I have a toxic habit of trying to laugh about hard things. I'm working on it, but uh, she decided, okay, I'm going to, she felt like her hand couldn't move, but she started to try to lift her hand. And as her hand touched his, she felt this inexplicable answer to her prayer of God. In that moment, he answered her prayer to fill her with love. And it, she said that the most memorable, otherworldly, not just emotion, but energetic feeling of love catapulted up her arm and through her whole body. And she had a, a compassion and a love for this man. When the millisecond before she touched his hand and as she was processing all these thoughts and praying, she couldn't imagine that that would happen, but she asked God and he gave her that strength in that moment. So all those things were, and I hope that is an encouragement to you too, of God doesn't always give, like maybe we're not always afforded this uh, overwhelming sense of peace, maybe far in advance of a situation. But this was an invitation for me to trust that as I had to open the email that finally announced my appraisal value for the home and thus dictated what my financial situation would be like and if this house really did fall within my budget or if my monthly mortgage would be like really an unfortunate higher amount. Um, or uh, as I uh, my first mortgage payment was coming and I uh, needed or, uh, or wanted rather um, or thought it would be most ideal to have a roommate that God would provide it in the time. Like even if it's the night before, like I trust that he'll provide it. And um, as I'm picking up my cat for surgery, I could feel sad. I could feel scared. For some reason, I had honestly the feeling that I wanted to cry and throw up as I was going. You could call me dramatic, but honestly, don't at me unless you have had to make the decision to amputate your pet's leg. So um, I I just thought, all felt all those things, but sure enough, my heart was racing as I got up to the vet clinic. But as the vet was walking out with his carrier and he showed me my cat and for the first time I saw his staples up half his body and his drugged up face looking really drowsy, I, I just was filled with this strength that not a second before I could imagine having. And I said, that's my boy. I'm so excited to see you. We are going to get through this. 
we are going to get through this. And my therapist also really showed me that um, and encouraged me and I need to energetically lead the tone for my cat of uh, showing, exuding positivity that animals can feel. Like, have you ever witnessed horse therapy or equine therapy of horses are, and the way they behave are really a manifestation of what you're thinking and feeling on the inside? Look it up, watch videos. It's freaking crazy. And so I just decided I am going to have positive energetic leadership for my cat. And I could not imagine embodying that, but I have not cried once in the two weeks since his surgery. And I have celebrated every move with him that he is taking his first steps and face planting because his front arm is too weak and all this stuff. And so I, I just hope that's really an encouragement to you that don't suffer twice if you have something that you kind of can't imagine having to handle, that God will give you the strength you need in the moment you need it. Don't be too perturbed that the comfort and the strength doesn't come before. <laughs> you don't need this certainty. Because uh, like I was saying earlier, certainty is really a huge illusion. So even if our whole lives turn out to be a string of broken expectations, this is just such... The, or the, these last few weeks have been such a remarkable reminder that one, everything can turn out better than you think. Two, God is so faithful and he does not forget any details. Um, like the uh, And uh, I have also been praying and asking God to show me that I could have more of a sense of his movement throughout my daily life and more communication with him. Um, and I have felt like God is continually just like, almost winking at me throughout this whole process. Like, hey, I'm not forgetting you. Hey, you're actually not alone. Hey, you're actually <laughs> not in a bad circumstance. I mean, that's where I felt like I was calling myself out. Like, remember, like, wow, you have been given so, so much in this life. It's my duty to be nothing but grateful for that and for all the internal reserves that I have from this abundance that has been handed to me. I am meant to not ever store that up, but be a conduit for other people to feel that and be afforded that through the resources that have been given to me, not to keep, but to give. And so anyway, gratitude out the wazoo, but... Um, here, um, uh, from, thank you for hearing out as I set the scene for, um, all of that, that I was going through, but let me tell you that at every single turn, God did a miracle. Not, okay, I will say there was one prayer that wasn't answered. <laughs> I was praying, honestly, for a 3% interest rate, <laughs> and I got a 5.5, and my realtor was like, wow, Kelsey, you must have a really good credit score. Congrats. All my other clients are getting, like, a 6% interest rate. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that is an opportunity to be grateful, but I, that, like, was a broken expectation for me. But luckily, there's things like refinancing uh, later on. And so I, you know, as I'm hearing myself talk, I'm like, God will answer that prayer. He will answer it. It just might be later down the road uh, when our market uh, adjusts and goes back towards a lower interest rate. Whenever that is, 
I trust that one day I'll be writing in my journal and be like, wow, actually you did answer that. Sorry I said that you didn't. It just wasn't in the way or the time that I thought. Uh, But at every single turn, so the first thing that happened was that I, uh, the street name of the house that I got (laughs) is the title of my, one of my favorite songs from my favorite band ever. And so as I was turning on the street to, (laughs) to go see the house for the first time as I was doing, uh, touring it, I thought, you know what? I just wouldn't be surprised if this was my house. I just wouldn't. And then I go in it and I think, okay, yeah, cute. You heard that story. I ended up putting on the in the offer. I thought it was, uh, and I, I thought, oh man, like what, um, my unhealthy thought patterns tend to be more on the superstitious side. Uh, so I'm calling that out on myself and I'm working through it. But I was, you heard me say like, because I didn't feel like I was Jesus Christ superstar and like consulting God and I had scarcity and I like really held on to, no, I want this house. So I'm putting in an offer. Even still, God, just like uh, if you've had the privilege of having a gracious earthly father, you might have experienced that. Um, I, I just, maybe I'll say from my own story, I don't know why I think of, I, I mean, I would tend to think I have a healthy reverence of God, especially after I, most of this year I've been spending most of my reading time in the Old Testament. And that stuff is intense. Okay. You know, it's intense. And I'm like, okay. Um, wow. God, you are mighty and I will have reverence for you because you are God and I am not and I want to be obedient to you. Uh, This is your life to use, not mine. Gotcha. I'm in check. Um, But I I think I have overstepped my bounds in uh, having that power distance with God um, and not remembering that he is, it says in Isaiah 9, he is Almighty, uh, he is an everlasting father, prince of peace, mighty counselor. Um, it's just, he is our friend. He is our comforter. He is Jehovah Jireh. And that is the song, if y'all have heard uh, Jireh, um, what is that by? Uh, I can't remember. Wait, I want to look this up. I think it's by Maverick City M- Music. Oh my lord. If to get through all this uncertainty and to hold it with as much grace as I could, sometimes you just have to have like a meditation track of this is my commitment to remember that God, nothing is impossible for God. Absolutely nothing. Like what a joke to think that anything is impossible for God and that he is Jaira which means provider. And so I kept on singing that song. Uh, let's see what it is. Uh, okay, first off, names, parentheses, He Shall Reign <laughs> by Tribal, Maverick City Music, and Amanda Cook. Names, oh my gosh, I cried during that song. Because to remember the names of God, they say everything about who God is. He is Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Mighty Counselor. Um, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Say his names. There are power. There is power in those names. And oh gosh, it just, <laughs> I just think like, who is God to think of us? That's just so crazy. And like, 
why does he even care about my stupid little house? I just think that's so kind. Sorry. But he does. And he cared about every single detail from like sending me that little wink of that house name was on my favorite. The, the, the name of the street is one of my favorite songs by my favorite band. And I didn't even notice this detail at first, but I I noticed it, but it didn't really register with me. But after I went under contract, I took Kirsten over to see the house and she immediately noticed that it had a French front porch swing. And she gasped and she turned and she looked at me. And before she said anything, I realized what her reaction was about because she remembered that my whole life, if anyone ever asked me what I wanted in a house, I said, I dream of having a house with a front porch swing. And it's just so sweet, so sweet that um, it's actually uh, a duplex in the other side, even though it was also listed for the same amount, same budget, it inexplicably did not come up on the MLS or the realty side. It never appeared to me. I never got to see it as an option for the viewing. I never, like the other side, it didn't work out timing wise to go see it. I only ever had the option presented to me to get the other unit. And I got to, and the other side doesn't have a front porch swing. And so the fact that God orchestrated everything to get me that one, I just thought, wow, you are the God, like, like Hagar said in the Old Testament, she said, you are the God that sees me. And, um, it is walking distance to some of my favorite restaurants in the city. And I never, ever, ever thought that I would be able to have a house in this location ever. And even though it's small and my family laughs at me, they're like, why, why do you like this? Because they, they have different core values than me when selecting an ideal home. Because like I said, I didn't really care about uh, exactly what it looked like or anything. I, I just really like the energy of certain neighborhoods. And, um, Anyway, but then let me tell you about how the miracles keep kept on rolling in. First off, when I was when I got my when my home buying pro or home search process lasted literally 24 hours, my real whole realty team because my realtor has a couple uh, awesome people who also were helping me uh, through the process. And they all were like, "Kelsey, you should buy lotto tickets because like Almost none of our clients have that happen to them. You had a zero drama home buying experience, which is just so, such a gift, such a gift. And then also, guess what? I thought once I went under contract and uh, we were doing a 21 day close, I was like, no, 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 this is happening too too fast. No, no, no. That actually wasn't good. Why did this happen too fast? Because I'm still paying rent. Uh, I still have another like two months to go at my other place with Kirsten. That's my commitment to her. And I thought that was a bad thing. Come to find out only afterwards that I decided I would like to complete some renovations and God did some other miracles to be able to allow me to do that. And literally he has provided like the kindest earthly father who just wants to see his daughter smile on every single turn. And he, I need to like repent for the way I've seen God before, <laughs> which is anything less than gracious. And another meditation that had been on my 
mind and my heart as I was starting to go into definitely the more stressful part of this whole situation. God reminded me of that line in Psalm 23, super famous, but I can't believe I really had forgotten this. How, this is the most beautiful thing. It says, do you remember that line that says, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. (laughs) To have that assurance like David did, even if I don't understand, even if I don't get it, even if it hurts, I could say, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. For every single thing that I thought went wrong in my life, and were wasted, or that was a bad decision, like, God has already started to just give me little pieces of evidence of, no, that too, my goodness and my mercy was following you. <laughs> and so this whole experience has just really taught me, like, I kind of felt woken up and I to asking myself this question. And I asked myself kind of rhetorically, how many more things am I going to decide to worry about in my life? How many more things am I going to decide to be miserable over? You could grieve, you could be sad. All of those are good and healthy feelings to embody in appropriate time and measure. But to not, to lose track of that sweetness and that sovereignty of the Lord, to lose track of your hope, To lose track of the fact that you're not alone. Kelsey, if you choose to feel those things, you are choosing. And don't you forget it. And so I had this big moment of after the house closed. Well, actually, let me tell you some more circumstances that were just too wild. Um, And after all this happened, I asked myself this, or I kind of had this like vision of my life and realizing that the prayers of my 20s have really come in three big buckets. One, would you please use my career greatly for your service, Lord? I want to do big things with you. Lo and behold, it took more time and discomfort than I initially thought I was signing up for. But he did it. And every struggle has continued to have a purpose. And then the house, I just kept on saying and slipping into doubt. I just joked, I think I'm now like, you know, talk cue. Remember I said one of my toxic traits is I try to just laugh about hard things all the time, which is fine, but not always fine. Um, I, I was just kind of putting off my discomfort into this joke that I was constantly saying, uh, it looks like I'll only be able to afford a hut in the country. And it's like, hold up. Okay. That's really whack. Like actually one of the podcast guests that you're about to hear, Kayla Lyons, I'm about to publish her episode. I think next she, um, (laughs) she's, uh, called me out and she's like, stop. You have too much faith to talk like that, to think that you're really going to get a hut in the country that you hate. That's out of your budget. Even still, please stop. Please stop. 
Like you tell me, you call me when God gives you the house that like ignites your praise for him. I still need to call her actually. Um, but, uh, so here's what else happened. One, after my option period ended or, uh, I actually before I, we got the inspection back and it turned out that I do need to replace the roof. And I also, um, what else was there? I think it was the roof. And then the other unit discovered that they needed to replace like a common pipe that was shared between our units and, um, and remove some trees. And this was going to cost a lot of money. And so I, my realtor was like, listen, in this market, you know, that buyers have literally zero negotiating power, like zero. (laughs) Okay. Usually sellers are not giving any concessions, uh, like any money off the house for things that you find that are wrong with it, essentially. And that's a thing of the past. You know, our parents used to be able to negotiate. They used to have like 60 day closes and like really think about it. And they would negotiate. They would maybe put in an offer under asking price, all this stuff. Nope, that's not the case anymore. But she's like, if you really want to, like, we we can ask for a little bit, but just like maybe not too much because we don't want to trigger a no when maybe they would be able to uh, be willing to give us a little bit. And I just had this good feeling about it. I was like, why don't we ask the seller to cover 100% of the cost for me to replace a roof? Like, why don't we ask that? And she was like, mm. uh, she was like kind of uh, like based on her professional experience that was like not going to be feasible. And so, but I, like I said, I had a good feeling about it. So I just said, okay, nope, let's ask her for a hundred percent. So we ended up asking the seller to give, especially in this market, an unprecedented $14,700 off of my closing costs. So that that's like money that does not have to come out of my account. I could keep some more of my savings and uh, uh, take those savings to apply it to whatever repairs that I would like to. Or I could just honestly pocket it. Um, although that's not the case because the repairs do have to be made. Guess what happened? The seller said, yeah, okay. <laughs> Again, the uh, realty team is like, you should buy lottery tickets. And I was like, actually, I just talked about God a lot. Um, and, and I was like, God's on my side and all this. And then guess what? In the same week, the final week of my closing, I am both having to make the decision to amputate my cat's leg. And then also I'm waiting for that final big, big piece of news, which is the appraisal value. I, for some reason, okay, let's say the sales price of, okay, the example number I've been using is 142. That's not it, but 142. I, for some reason, was praying, okay, God, it would just be so amazing if that 70 number wasn't real and actually it appraised for the same amount. What if it you allowed it to appraise for actually 140? I don't know why I didn't just ask him to full-on like meet or exceed the... Uh, sales price so that I would have no cash disappearing into thin air and basically being like the cover charge to get into the club to buy a house. (laughs) And yet I I was just praying, please, please, please help me. 
And then my small group was praying for it. And my realtor, he said, he was like, he even used his whole quiet time that morning, the day that we knew the appraisal value was going to come in. And, and he was like, Lord, I pray that you actually exceed like that it appraises for more than what Kelsey is buying this house for. I didn't even know that was a thing. I don't know why. I was just like so, I was so uneducated about how house buying works. Um, guess what? Barrett, your prayer was answered. And we, the whole, me and the whole team and all my family, we absolutely freaked out. I opened the email. I took a big breath and I screamed because in three weeks flat. Three weeks flat because of the homes that in those three weeks in that neighborhood, in that zip code, were sold. That seemed a little bit comparable to my home. It appraised from the estimated, let's say, let's remove the initial number and say, uh, my realtor was like, you know, based on when you're putting in an offer, it might only appraise for 70k. And I'm putting in 142. Sales price was, let's say, 99. Um, oh, sorry, uh, list price was 99. And it appraised for $5,000 more than what I bought it. What does that mean? That's that's uh, 77K appraisal, like up in appraisal in our what we expected in three weeks. And that 5K, I asked my realtor, I was like, this sounds like it's really good news, but do I have to pay that extra 5K over like what it appraised above what I'm paying for the house? He said, no, congratulations. In the most competitive real estate market in the United States, you just got a $5,000 portion of equity, an investment for free which this is going to appraise on average, Austin homes are appraising 30% a year. So can you imagine if you invested money in the stock market and you're like, oh, I really hope I get 8% on this. You know, that's best case over a long time um, averages. Like that $1 is going to be $1.30 next year, probably more for my area. I mean, we're still going to have a recession. So, you know, let's have a long-term mindset. But I just got a $5,000 uh, gift in the Austin market for free, and that will multiply many times over the life that I have this home. And that meant that 100% of my hard-earned dollars were going towards my down payment and the $14,700 that I got taken off my closing cost. I could not believe it. Again, the whole realty team was like, this is absolutely nuts. This doesn't happen. Miracles happening on every single turn, every single opportunity that there was a opportunity for disappointment. God used it to show me that he is my father. He is watching out for my financial future. He has got my back. He knows what I like. He knows what my hopes are and he cares about them. Is everything about the house perfect? No, but I wasn't going for perfect. And I don't need it to be perfect to be grateful. And so this, uh, the last miracle that I have to tell you about was all these things happened. And my cat is in, has been in recovery the last two weeks. And, you know, it's been painful to watch him, but he's adapting and the house is mine. I get the keys. 
everything's going well. And I'm like, okay, God, the last thing that I need is a roommate. The last thing I need is a roommate. <laughs> um, and I was praying. I, I had to, I was tempted to have a scarcity mindset about this too. Y'all are going to flip. You're going to flip. I, I was tempted to be, uh, have a scarcity mindset about this too, because I go on the, you know, like roommate post groups on Facebook where that's where you could post about your property and say, I need a roommate. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's my rent price and all this stuff. I looked on there and I was scared because first off, a bunch of people were posting that I was like, I don't really know if I would get along with you. They're like, I don't need to be friends. I just need a place to live. And I'm like, mm, that's kind of low vibe. I would kind of hope to be like at least friendly with who I'm living with. And then secondly, a bunch of the homes posted on there were much lower than what I could offer a roommate. Because honestly, the real estate market has been skyrocketing so much. It's really, uh, it's a renter's market. Like uh, if you, uh, like I'm just literally not able to offer the kind of rent price that a someone could uh, have or offer based on a mortgage that was locked in a year ago or two years ago. And so I was like, all right, it looks like my place is more expensive than all these. And honestly, there's some of them that are even nicer and more updated. It turns out I am fully updating my home, praise God. Um, but uh, I, I just was like, oh, this looks like it's not going to work out for me. And I don't know how this is going to happen. And then I post everything on every Austin roommate, whatever, that I could find. And I get absolute crickets for four weeks throughout the whole, even past the closing process. I was like, all right, uh, I'm starting to imagine and like mentally prepare myself to cover this whole mortgage on my own. And I can, I can, it's just like kind of uncomfortable. Um, and uh, I mean, again, I can, but it's just like, uh, I need to like, rebuild some savings and you know emergency fund and all this um and <laughs> and so I was like god hold out faith come on how many stressful circumstances have I been in throughout my whole life my whole business and I'm trusting you lord even if you come in not even at the 11th hour but like the next day when I'm like great okay you didn't answer my prayer even if you come in the next day all right even if I'm like just living on my own for a couple months. All right. But I'm trusting you, Lord. And I, I thought I could only like the best case scenario is to get a roommate at all. But I just felt like, no, no, no. I only started to have peace when I prayed for the, like I set an exact vision for what I wanted. I said, Lord, I want somebody my age, like between, um, 
like 27 to 32. I really want this to be a woman who like we share a love for you and a passion for our faith. I pray that you actually send me someone who has a vision to build a genuine like village kind of community and do outreach in our neighborhood and have our front yard be a community spot. And uh, I pray that you um, also send me someone who loves cats and is going to love my cat. And then um, also that'd be like really cool if she was actually an Aggie, like she went to the same university that I went to. Uh, that's like a very small, weird detail, but I just really love meeting other Aggies, uh, especially in Austin. There's not quite as many of them. And, um, but what else did I pray? Uh, oh yeah, there's like great personality match, all this stuff. Then after I can't I think it was I think it was the it was the day oh my gosh I just realized it was the day that I closed on the house I'm like okay no backing out this is officially mine I get this text that says like hey is your room still open like I'm interested guess what I also last detail two days before that I started looking into adopting another three-legged cat because I was like, I don't know, one, I like, I think that cat should live in pairs and have some company. Two, I think it'd be cool to have another three-legged cat. Um, so, you know, Constantine doesn't feel left out. And so I literally was looking up uh, shelter and rescue sites and I was looking for if there was any uh, disabled cats that needed a home. And I get on a FaceTime call with this person first off we are immediately an energetic match like both like pretty jovial kind of energetic people she <laughs> references talking to her mom a lot she's like yeah my mom and I were talking about like how you remind me of this other like best friend that I lived with in the past and I was like okay has a strong relationship with her parents like me. I, I also talk to my mom all the time. And then she's like, oh yeah, I went to A&M. Um, also, I'm a veterinarian. Uh, and I'm like, that's perfect because I have hypochondria literally for my cat. And the fact, and God has almost always provided me a roommate who is either a nurse and I annoy them with all my questions or now a pet nurse or doctor. <laughs> And she's like, yeah, and I went to AM and we get on a FaceTime call and she's like talking about, I vulnerably like share this vision of like the culture that I want for our home. And she's like, yeah, actually, I totally want to build community. And I have that same vision for, I want to do like neighborhood community building and outreach and actually getting to know people. And I also saw all those other posts on the Facebook page that were like, um, I don't need to be friends or anything. And she's like, yeah, that just sounded sad. Like I want to be friends with my roommate and we're like majorly hitting it off. And then I was like, what's your design style like? And she goes, honestly, my mom jokes about how, uh, it's so colorful that it's like a mix between a Mexican hacienda and a Bollywood scene. And I honestly get so freaked out that I literally wanted, I like, I wanted to hang up. Because I I was like, what? Ew, get out of my head. Like the, it was getting too, like God's faithfulness was honestly getting too freaky for me because 
I have literally on, I have so many witnesses that could back me up on this. It is airtight, rock solid. I have said on so many occasions that I, my design style is literally a mix between uh, Mexico City, like vibrant, colorful, a little throw of art deco. And I also have joked for absolutely years and I've taken Bollywood dance lessons that my alter ego is a Bollywood star and most people don't even know what that is. It's like uh, Indian dance. And so I was like, what? Gross. Get out of my head. I'm the same. And I, and I was also insecure because this is the first time that I get to fully decorate a home on my own. And I have been playing, y'all should see my Pinterest board. It's like a unicorn exploded in there. And it's just like, I'm not really apologetic about that. I love color. Like why have everything be boring and white and beige? Sorry, not trying to attack you if that's your thing. But like, I want wallpaper on the ceilings and all this stuff. And she's like, I dig it. And then she goes, and this is what really made me flip out. She goes, oh yeah. And I hope I understand if this is a deal breaker, but I have two cats. And I'm like, oh, no worries. Like if I just constantly had like five cats all around me sleeping on my face, like I think I'd be happy. And I, and she goes, yeah, here's one of them. And she turns her free, like, seriously, it's still freaking me out. She turns her FaceTime camera and she's like, this is Allie. She has three legs. And I was like, what? Oh my gosh. On the inside, I was trying to keep my cool, but because I was just meeting this person, but I was like, uh, I'm going to have to tell her later. And I did explain later, like why that just overwhelmed me of God has not missed a single detail in making me feel so cared for in this entire experience. And then uh, I ended up, guess what? It gets crazier because I posted about my house on uh, I think specifically two different roommate posting sites. The first one was a more obscure one that I thought, I think less people check this one. And I posted there first and I posted, it's my house is like a three bed. And I, um, I was initially just thinking, I think I just want one roommate and here's what the rent would be. And it was higher because it was just going to be two of us living in the house. And then I got into scarcity mindset and I started posting on other ones and I changed my listing to have what I wanted to be my office. I was like, I'll just shove a desk next to my bed. I did not want that at all, but I got into scarcity mindset and I was like, I'll give up my office and I'll make that another bedroom and I'll have three of us kind of squeezed in there. Cause again, it's not a palace by any means. And, um, I then adjusted the rent for both of those rooms to be much lower since it's three of us sharing all the common areas. And that was a much more high traffic roommate site that I posted that on. She happened to only see the first posting that I thought I even updated and it it was the higher rent amount. And she goes, Oh yeah, that's the one that I saw. Like, I'm totally good with that. That's like a lot less than I'm paying now for uh, an apartment in the exact same area. 
And I was like, oh, wow, praise God. Because here I was preparing for this call being like, oh my gosh, like how, <laughs> like, uh, is this going to be like a uh, rent payment that's even worth it for me to like accommodate having roommates or whatever? Like, is it going to be high enough? Is she good with that budget? Because, you know, I was in scarcity mindset. I was like, she could live a little bit more south and it could be a lot cheaper or whatever. She was like, no, I want this neighborhood. I love living in this neighborhood and I'm totally good with that rent payment. And so that, my friends, is the story of how God did not forget a single thing. And all those things I thought I was asking too much for, like appraising for more than what I bought the house for. And again, uh, people were asking me, oh, did you find a good deal? And I literally, the week before I got this great news, (coughs) I um, laughed and I said to that friend who asked me, I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) good deals don't exist in this market. Famous, last, faithful, unfaithful words. Technically, what's the what's the definition of getting a good deal? Paying less than what it's worth. And I had an extremely rare, 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 rare circumstance where that actually happened to me in this market. And so the some of the lessons, uh, in addition to what I shared that I mentioned um, that I learned from all this was that I was so worried that God wasn't going to bless this process because I didn't feel peace about getting this house. I felt like I didn't consult the Lord before putting in an offer on this house specifically, and that I thought God might not bless it or help me in this process as a result. That was not thinking highly of God, honestly. And But in the end, I realized that one, yes, I allowed my brain to be totally hijacked by fear, and it I didn't feel like I did it right when making this big decision. Yet God is so kind. Please don't forget as I have that he is so kind. And I don't know how many times I have to learn that God is just so, so gracious and kind. Just like my dad who will occasionally step in and try to strongly urge me away from doing something that might not be the best for me. But most of the time it's just like, hmm, okay, that's what you want all right, let's, let's work on this together. I'll, I'll like guide you through how to handle this well. And I trust you. And because he, as a parent, has guided me in developing the character and trustworthiness, thanks to his parenting, to, to be able to sustain making my own choices and to carry my, the circumstances that I choose. And so he'll just support me. And so don't forget that like God gives us choosing power. Our, the free will that has been set in our hands is not a joke. I am just like with jobs. I think that there is a certain direction that we could feel called to, but the details, I really don't think that we have to be that freaked out about it. I really don't like sometimes and Jordan Rayner said this in my interview with him and it really shocked me. He was like, I don't really think that God cares about exactly what job we have. And I was like, take it back. And he was like, well, let me explain what I mean. And he was like, well, just there's a direction of uh, that you could go down that is along the lines of choosing things that allow you to steward your life and your resources and your talents most faithfully. And that's, that's kind of like a direction in life, but I don't think God is like all flipping out about you choosing job A or job B. Similarly, 
I think I got caught up in like, I need to make the perfect housing decision. But I think whether I got a small house that I love in the center of the city, or more of a a little palace on the outskirts of town, like whatever, God, God lets us choose make choices that are in alignment with who he created us to be and the personality values that he instilled for us to, uh, like what it means to be authentic, uh, make authentic choices uh, in alignment with how he created you. And that's okay. And so I kind of felt this like, hmm, okay, well, that's what you chose. All right, I'm going to help you. And he was so kind. And he is also, the other lesson is he's serious about the command to not fear or worry. I wasted so much of my energy and my anxiousness and my mental health worrying about things that, as you heard, worked out. And if they didn't work out, just like my cat, that was unideal on every front. Still, God provided like I had a remarkable business month even when it was looking slow in the beginning and that was what was uh, another thing that was stressing me out I had a remarkable business month and I was like okay well praise God he has created the resources for me to be able to pay for all of my cat's medical bills so I don't have to let him go I get to be a really lucky person that gets to actually uh, pay for I get the honor of paying for these medical bills wow God thank you so much and so I just, every every cell that we commit to worry is a waste of the gift of life. You, again, I we could have healthy feelings around being sad. We could have that worry kind of naturally arise, but what an opportunity to commit to uh, remembering, okay, God, well, this doesn't seem natural, but you must say, like, if you're saying that I don't have to worry, uh, or if, if that's not how you want me to use my life, then you must provide some sort of resource for me to be able to carry this out and live a life of peace. And he does explore that. Don't give up in exploring why he says that. And I have this, and I, I hold me to it. You hold me to it. My big vision was, that I started to say earlier was I, I thought, okay, God, my prayer, my twenties have really been defined by three huge prayers. Make my career something big for your service. He did it. Allow me to have a house. I want this, not just for myself, but I, I want this to be able to pass down a generational um, inheritance to uh, hopefully you answer my prayers for a family. And financially, it's uh, really amazing to be able to uh, build equity, to be able to pass on to others. I think a lot of people, including myself, I was tempted to not invest in a house because it is difficult and it's really uncomfortable and it requires uh, you to shift like your capacity for responsibility so much, like that has been so uncomfortable for me. But once the house became mine, it literally, I felt like I became like rose up to become a different person with a new capacity for responsibility that I couldn't imagine having before. And 
I, and that is not because I get a ton of short-term benefit at all. I think that is like pretty clear that buying a house does like the short-term benefit is it's like much more convenient to rent, obviously. Uh, and rent prices are usually behind mortgage prices. So it would even be a better deal for me. So like technically I like there is a realm of the next three to five years could be like it's you really kind of have to devote a lot of financial goals to be able to sustain the investment of a house and prepare and do all the fixes and be the landlord and all this stuff. But that's for the long-term benefit of others. It's not for me. But I, I want to be able to tell my children, look, like I... I this is a house that you can have in the future because you know in the next decades like Austin is only going to be a crazier place to live expense wise and so anyway another thing is that he gives us the strength to we need to handle things as we experience them not necessarily before and then uh in the process of deciding what if I wanted a house or not I had to grieve and let go of the fact, as you heard, that my house hunt wasn't going to look the same as Kirsten's. And I had I had given way to let con, um, scarcity and comparison steal a tremendous amount of my joy and even give way to feelings of bitterness. So, but I felt like God allowed something to break in me because I just realized like once I really got in the pit of that and I got very disheartened about it, it was kind of like, all right, here's the bottom. Do you want to choose this miserable, broke mindset? Or do you want to surrender and choose gratitude? And so I, I had that opportunity for surrender and counting what I do have instead of I don't. But in this process, something so interesting happened. This old Marat, if y'all have heard my career story, when I was deciding if I wanted to quit consulting and try to really go for my dream job and dream business of starting this career coaching practice, y'all know, y'all know that I seriously pursued the idea of just getting a really similar job that just hopefully sucks a little bit less and is like slightly less hours, even if I had to take a bit less pay and less travel and whatever. And I wanted to move to London and I didn't, I was caught up in that mirage for months. I was seriously planning it. I had my like ride or die date, one way ticket. I was going to go in the next three weeks. And guess what? I, I, as you know, a therapist helped me discern my core value behind that was actually a junk value. It was truly just to escape the hard, but more noble and life-giving opportunity that I had in front of me that the next couple of years are going to look probably pretty hard if you choose this path, but it sets you up for the next 50 of reward. And so I decided, okay, well, I'm not going to participate in escapism and I'm not going to go to London. I'm going to stay here and start this business. That same, and I didn't realize it until after I went under contract for the house, but before I decided... I was going to push all through through all of this and try to buy a house. I had incessant obsessive thoughts about just moving to Europe. And I literally had two friends call me 
who were saying, hey, I'm going to Europe. Like, do you want to come with me? One of my friends, <laughs> Chesley, is moving there for the next nine months. And she literally was like, do you want to come to Greece with me in September? And then maybe you could like tag along. And then maybe we'll do like a month in Italy in February. And I was like, yeah, actually, I do want to do that. And I seriously considered it. But again, after I made the right decision, I... It's like it says in Isaiah 30, your teachers will be revealed to you. And I immediately saw what that mirage was all about. It was about escaping the discomfort of responsibility that after you go through that birth canal experience, and even I'll still be in it, I'm sure like usually the next six to 12 months of um, getting a house, like there's usually a a lot of um, uncomfortable expenses that come up and repairs. But after I go through this birth canal, like everyone's like, oh, wow, yeah, I'm so glad I invested all this. And so um, that was just really interesting to now have two big experiences where that uh, old like tantalizing dream tried to come up and steal a more compelling, an opportunity to live by a more compelling value. Um, And then the last lesson is God doesn't forget any details. He cares about us so, so much. He is worthy of all your admiration and love and relational attention and obedience. And in church this Sunday, my pastor highlighted Acts 2 and contrasted that with Genesis chapter 11, Acts 2 verses Genesis chapter 11, the story of the Tower of Babel, when humans were building this tower and they were doing it and they were using all these resources and modern advancements that they had when they had just invented brick and they were like, we could build taller buildings now. And they decided to build that tower for their own namesake. And it says that God was uh, was speaking amongst the Trinity and said, they we have to stop them because they could have the power to do anything and this isn't good. (laughs) And you should really read that. It is honestly wild. Like when you really read the Bible, you're like, oh my gosh, this is in there. That's so crazy. But then you go to Acts 2 when they were doing all these signs and miracles for God's namesake and nothing was impossible for them. And God was on their side. And so when we surrender our ego and try to do everything for ourselves, and I only started to have peace about the house when I started to build a vision in my mind of how I wanted to use this to contribute to others. <laughs> it was amazing. And still, I only have peace in my life and my business when I'm focused in the energy of being of contribution, just a conduit of receiving things from God and giving it away giving it away. And I, yeah. And so, um, that is just so was amazing lesson that surrender is the path to experiencing the fact that anything is possible. Surrender your ego and desire for control and live for God's name's sake. And he will show you that you could do even more miracles than what we saw Christ do, as it says at the end of the chapter of the gospel of John. And, And repeat to yourself, surely your goodness and your mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I have 1% battery left on my computer and I cannot believe how long this podcast has lasted, but I really hope it encourages you and I will resume normal programming next week. Let me know what you thought of this. Uh, You could send me a message on LinkedIn. I'm no longer on Instagram, but you could also send me an email at kelsey at kelseykemp.com. I would love to connect with you. Bye!